0: God's promises of protection, God's power over anything on the other side, God's presence, that He's always there even if you don't see Him. That thick glass is God. Welcome to Tell Podcasts. You're listening to Encouraging Words from Pastor Darren, bringing you truth and peace through God's Word. In this episode, we reflect on how we react to fear, Then we look to the Bible to see how Saul let fear impact his decisions and what God wants us to learn from him. Think. Evaluate. Learn. Lead. T-E-L-L. Tell. Now here's Pastor Darren with Comfortable Being Uncomfortable. Thanks for listening. Ah! She screamed violently. Like terrified when I just showed up like I was some kind of hangry T-Rex roaring at her through big fangs and teeth. It was my wife. And honestly, all I did was walk down the hallway, turn the corner, and there she was doing laundry so dutifully. And I just turned the corner. I said, hey, Ouch! and she screamed now i don't I don't think I'm that intimidating of a guy am I i mean i don't I don't think I look too scary, do I? <laughs> so what was going on there? Fear Fear, do you know how fear works? I mean fear isn't bad, uh, even though the Bible tells us not to fear, God has actually designed fear into our systems into our human design and there is an appropriate level of fear and there's an inappropriate level and inappropriate time but let me give you an example you are you're sitting at a baseball game at your son's baseball game and you're enjoying the game and a foul tip coming off the bat from from the batter a foul tip comes speeding at your head while you're sitting in the baseball stands what do you do well fear kicks in that's just your body's automatic response And you could duck, you could put your hands in front of your face. If you're really good, you'll catch that foul tip speeding at you. You'll catch it while holding a beverage and your toddler in the other hand. (laughs) So why why did all that happen that way? Because God designed fear as a protective mechanism, as a way to, to keep us safe. Now, sometimes Fear becomes a protective mechanism for us when we're fearing things that are only perceived fears and not real fears. So here's something that happened to me last week, and it's not the first time this has happened. Um, I I park at Kohl's, and I go into Kohl's to do a return, and uh, I come back out in the parking lot, and my car's not there. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm spinning around, I'm turning on with, with my remote, and I, and I look down the row where I parked, and it is not there. And my first thought is, of course, well, that's just silly. It's there. And I walk to the other side of the row, and I, I get a different perspective, and it's still not there. And I'm starting to think now, the sinking feeling in my stomach, this is, this is real. I, it's, uh, it's not just in my mind. And then, of course, I look in a different row where I didn't think it was parked, and there my car was parked. See, so sometimes we fear things that we should not fear, and that's the problem with fear. Sometimes we fear what we don't need to fear, but we don't know that at the time. So let me give you some examples. Do you need to fear your child's ADHD or your husband's anger issues? Do you need to fear gas prices or increased home values trigger higher taxes? Or your job review next week? Do you need to fear mass shootings or school bullies? Or your daughter having sex before marriage? Do you need to fear God? Do you need to fear yourself? Now, some of you, when I listed some of those fears, had a T-Rex fear response. Like, oh, this big roaring thing coming at you. And, and you, maybe you, you jumped back. Uh, and recoiled like my wife did when I came around the corner. And and some of you maybe had a, I lost my car in the Coles parking lot moment, where initially you heard something that I said and, and thought, oh boy, but then realized, ah, that's just a perceived fear. I don't need to be scared of that. See, that's how fear works. And so, and no, God is not trying to spook or scare you. God cares for you enough to create fear in your design so you don't get hit in the head by speeding baseballs, okay? He also cares enough for you to let you know that you shouldn't be afraid of everything, that you shouldn't be afraid of things he tells you not to be afraid of, and you should be afraid of some things more than you really are, including your own fear responses, right? I should be afraid of how I respond when I'm afraid and I shouldn't be. You get that? So, like your fear responses, um, are they always accurate? Do you fear exactly what you should and, and you don't fear what you shouldn't all the time? Do, sometimes your fear responses, do they, do they build up hope or do they break it down? And your fear responses, do they, they prompt more sin in your life or less? See, those are great questions and we're going to look at them today as we open our Bibles to the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel and we, and we study a king of God's people in the Old Testament, the Israelites, and that king's name is Saul. He was the first king of the Israelites and he, was, he had all the qualifications. He was tall and handsome. He was exceptionally gifted. He was highly talented. He loved God and that's why the people just loved that Saul was their king. And so this was an exciting time with lots of expectations when Saul became the king of Israel. And one of the expectations was that King Saul was going to rescue Israel from the oppression of their arch enemy, the Philistines. The Philistines were a nasty enemy. If you at all remember that giant warrior in the Bible named Goliath, he was a Philistine. Okay, scary enemy of the Israelites. But But Saul wasn't scared of the Philistines, and the people knew that Saul wasn't scared of the Philistines. But here's the problem. Saul actually was scared of the Philistines. He shouldn't have been because God had reassured Saul that God would protect Saul and God's people, but Saul was still afraid. He was still afraid of the Philistines. Why? Because Here's the bottom line. Saul held on to a greater fear, a more foundational fear that caused him to be afraid of lots of things that he shouldn't have been afraid of. And I'm going to tell you about that foundational fear reading now this Bible narrative that's recorded for us in 1 Samuel 13, beginning at verse 5. Here's what the Bible says. The Philistines assembled to fight Israel with 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and soldiers as numerous as the sand on the seashore. They went up and camped at Michmash, east of Beth-Avon. When the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves and thickets among the rocks and in pits and cisterns. Some Hebrews even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. Saul remained at Gilgal, and all the troops with him were quaking with fear. So that's the background. The Philistines formed their war machine, and they poised themselves in attack mode. And King Saul and his men, these battle-hardened, trained men, respond. And what's the response? The response is fear. Some of the soldiers get so scared that they run and they hide. Others, uh, the minority, stay with King Saul. But Saul then has seven days to process this. Seven days to watch the Philistine war machine ready to strike like a T-Rex at any time. Seven days to think What could go wrong to think how they could be defeated? Seven days asking himself what could happen. And in the meantime, we have to understand this, that God's prophet Samuel had previously told King Saul that Samuel would come to where Saul and the Israelite soldiers were, where the Philistine war machine was. Samuel would come on God's behalf and help. And Samuel would come and he would lead worship and they'd offer sacrifices. But he told Saul, um, you can't offer the sacrifices. And Saul knew this. The the rule that God gave is that kings, in God's kingdom, kings cannot offer sacrifices. Only prophets and priests. And that's what Samuel was. So here's the instruction that, that Samuel had provided King Saul. He said, go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. And then when Samuel would come, they would pray. They would sing. They would offer sacrifices. When Samuel would come, they would worship God. They would put God first. But King Saul couldn't wait. King Saul, the seven days were just too much and he, and he couldn't grab onto this promise. He didn't trust Samuel. He didn't trust God and Saul himself offered the sacrifices. He just had to be thinking in fear. What if we lose? What if, what if I lose? What if I lose this battle to the Philistines? What if I lose the, the, the territory under my rule? What if I lose my throne? What if I lose my reputation? What if I lose my pension? And the fears of Saul begin to ruminate. And they focus, of course, on Saul himself, not on God. And he offers the sacrifices. Now, offering a sacrifice, what, think about that for a second. What is, what is offering a sacrifice? What does that symbolize? What does that say? When you offer something to God, uh, maybe I, you know, I, I I take this, Bible, and I give it to God, or I take off my watch, and I, and I give it to God. Um, take off my shoes, and I burn them. <laughs> I, I, I'm saying, God, you're more important than these shoes. I trust in you more than I trust in the shoes. So, so when you sacrifice something, you're telling God, I'm putting you first. I believe in you above everything. I love you more than what I'm sacrificing. But that's not what Saul believed. Not if he was going against God's Clear command, not if he was going against what Samuel had said. So as Saul is sacrificing, afraid of the enemies, afraid for himself, Samuel shows up and says this, You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of the people because you have not kept the Lord's command. So Saul becomes the villain. Foolish, fighting not for God but against God. Fearful, but only in, only in selfish ways. Not God's ways. So you're at the baseball game. The speeding foul tip comes screaming at your head. Your fear kicks in. Your reflexes kick in. What do you do? You duck. The ball whizzes right over your head and smacks a grandma right in the face who is sitting behind you watching her grandson play the game. What will the crowd think of you? Well, they're not going to cheer for you, especially if there's a TV, maybe a jumbotron of some kind, and they show the replay and they show you in slow motion ducking and the grandma getting hit by that speeding baseball. They will boo you. They will boo you out of the game. Why? Because that's not the baseball spirit. That's not what baseball fans do. A real baseball fan would have stopped that speeding ball from hitting the grandma. But you didn't do it. And, and so the fans... Everyone else knows it. They know that's wrong and they boo you out of the game. Get out. That's what God did to King Saul and that's what God will do to you also when you put your fears first ahead of God. When, when you want to be king and like King Saul, You're mostly concerned about your own kingdom and having your own way. And you don't think about God. You don't think about God's commands. You just want to be king your way. And you do it in fear. So scientifically, do you know how fear works? We have this this part of our brain called the amygdala. And when there's a threat, when there's a trigger of some kind that seems like an overwhelming situation, it's very uncomfortable, it's going to cause pain, a baseball speeding at your face, a T-Rex screaming at you when you're doing laundry, okay? When, we, when these triggers come, our, our amygdala fires up our stress hormones and our stress responses, which are either fight or flight. And then there's this other part connected to the amygdala in our brains called the hippocampus. And together, they... They, they manage our fear response, this, this reflex that we have. So, for example, you're sitting at the zoo, and there's a big, scary lion 10 feet away from you, and he pounces toward you, and your amygdala says, oh, we fight or flight, and you recoil. But then your hippocampus reminds you that there's this thick glass plate between you and the lion, and that you don't need to be afraid, that that you can tell your reflexes, hey, thanks for getting my attention, but everything's okay. Okay, so chemically speaking, that thick glass is like your hippocampus, like, like the part of your brain connected to your amygdala that interprets threat responses. So chemically speaking, human design, that thick glass is like that part of your brain. Spiritually speaking, that thick glass that thick glass is God. God's promises of protection, God's power over anything on the other side, God's presence, that he's always there even if you don't see him, that thick glass is God. So do you believe, do you believe that God is stronger than a lion? Do you believe that God is stronger than a Philistine? That he's stronger than your own anxiety, your own discomfort, your own depression, or your pain. That he's stronger than ADHD, stronger than anger, stronger than the future, stronger than the past, stronger than interest rates, stronger than sickness, stronger than the separation you're feeling between you and your spouse or you and your kids. The thick glass that's God. God. So I'm fighting some kind of sickness. We don't know what it is. Um, it's related to mold poisoning that's accumulated in my system for years, and trying to treat it. And, uh, and I, missed, I missed church last Sunday. I was at home recovering because of some nasty side effects and some test results that we're trying to put together. I thank you for your prayers. I've made improvements. But this past week, I was, uh, was in a lab getting some blood work done a couple times. And uh, this lab is, is, is a great lab. You make an appointment. There's appointments every 10 minutes. The waiting room is about the size of a big walk-in closet, maybe a small walk-in closet. So usually there's zero or one, maybe two at the most, people in the waiting room as the lab techs bring people in and out who have appointments. I walked in that lab waiting room uh, one day this week, and there were eight people in there, and I was person number nine, and there was a sweet grandma in the room. Um, they demanded that we all be masked up, so we were masked up. Um, There's a sweet grandma. I tried to find a place where I wasn't close to anyone. I stood, and she was just the closest one to me, and she, she actually moved away from me when I came in. like I was toxic in some way, but she was just trying to be sensitive, but and then a guy came in without a mask on and, and, and she kind of accosted him in a not-so-nice way. And I, I heard her use Jesus' name and she wasn't praying. She was using Jesus' name in some ways that Jesus says not to use his name. And so this, this sweet lady she just, just turned into this not-sweet lady. She, she was complaining. She was, she was getting ugly. Why? Fear. She was in this uncomfortable situation. It was a situation that she couldn't control. She couldn't control the timing. Everything was running late. She had appointments to get to, which I heard her say on the phone as she was talking to her daughter-in-law. And and this this sweet lady becomes a villain. And if that happens to her, boy, that can happen to you and it can happen to me. See what happens. See what happens when, when God is not the thick glass in our lives. We don't know what to do in uncomfortable situations and and fear comes out. But I want to give you another place in the Bible where there's a, a good example of this, an encouraging example, and that's the prophet Samuel, who earlier had his own confrontation with the Philistines. And Samuel sees the Philistines through the thick glass of God And here's what the Bible says about that in 1 Samuel chapter 7. It says that that, that Samuel encountered the Philistines. The Philistines were a threat to him just like they were to Saul. And the Bible says this, Then Samuel took a suckling lamb and sacrificed it as a whole burnt offering to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord on Israel's behalf and the Lord answered him. While Samuel was sacrificing the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to engage Israel in battle. But that day, the Lord thundered with loud thunder against the Philistines and threw them into such a panic that they were routed before the Israelites. So the Philistines were subdued, and they stopped invading Israel's territory. Throughout Samuel's lifetime, the hand of the Lord Was against the Philistines. You know, that's a terrible military strategy. Hey, let's offer sacrifices. That's a terrible military strategy. But what are you doing when you do that? You're you're saying that God has power over any military practices. That, That God's strategy is not limited to military strategy, is not limited to medical strategy, is not limited to our minds. By sacrificing to God, Samuel was saying, God, I put you first. And I I don't need to be afraid. See what happens when God is the thick glass? Samuel looks at the thick glass and says, Oh, this glass is awesome. It's going to save us. I love this glass. Let's celebrate this glass and not be afraid. Of course, this is God. And the Bible says he cried out to the Lord. So I have a question for you. What should you be looking at through the thick glass that is God? And where in your life are you more afraid right now than you really should be? In, in what uncomfortable situation are you finding yourself over and over again, and it's just becoming too uncomfortable? But let me tell you this: when you put God first instead of fear, when you do what Samuel did instead of Saul, you can learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable. You can learn to to sit ten feet away from that lion, and when he pounces you know it's not just a fear reflex, but your fear is managed because you're looking through the glass. And you can be comfortable in that situation even with an uncomfortable, dangerous lion. Now, God is that thick glass, thicker than a lion, thicker than anything you're afraid of. But there are times in your life and in mine where we haven't seen The threat through that glass through God. When we've done like King Saul, and we've taken matters into our own hands. When we've pretended that we're believing in God and putting our trust in God, but we really aren't. And for those times, yes, God remains the glass through which you can look, but there's something other than the glass and something other than the lion. There's the lamb. That lamb that, that Samuel sacrificed, you have a lamb like that too, and his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ put, put his father, put God first, even when you didn't. And then he became the, the substitute, the sacrifice. He became the worship of God, and now Jesus is your worship to God. Jesus is is you saying, Jesus, I believe in you and and because of you, Jesus, I know I'm first in God's sight and because of you, Jesus, God is first for me too. And that day the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines. (laughs) Because of Jesus, the Lamb, God's thunder is not against you. God's thunder is for you and it's against all of your enemies. That day, the Lord thundered with a loud thunder against the Philistines. God's thunder roars louder than a lion, louder than a T-Rex that is your perceived fear of something you shouldn't be afraid of. This is God's thunder for you. And in thunder, God proclaims to you and to the world, I love you. I sent my son to be the Lamb of God to be sacrificed for you. There's nothing you need to be afraid of when I'm on your side, when I'm your savior, not afraid of your sin, not afraid of your guilt, your past, your future. There's nothing. God thunders this to make sure that you don't have to be king because he is. Amen. Please pray with me. Dear thundering God, you will not be quiet. God, you will not be silent. But you want the heavens to know and you want the earth to be glad and to rejoice that we, God, we sinners are your people. That we on this side of the glass, God, you're so glad to be our God. You're so glad to be in every one of our situations, in every one of our fears. God, I pray today for someone who is who's joining me in this prayer, who has this fear that they have not yet overcome. I pray that they, they repent of trying to control the fear themselves of trying to be king. And I pray that, that in Jesus, the Lamb, they truly believe and know that, that you, God, put them first and so they can put you first too. And in that fear, God, they can come closer to you and overcome it. They can be comfortable being uncomfortable. Bless us today by, by your word, God. Send your spirit to strengthen our hearts and our souls so that we can serve you and not be afraid. In Jesus' loving and powerful name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to Tell Podcasts. Tell's mission is simple, teaching you the real gospel so you can teach others. Remember, truth brings peace. For more about TEL, visit us on Facebook or at telnetwork.org.